Hi, my name is Dr. Brandy Bradshaw. Dr. Joe Krugler. We are the co-owners and doctors at Agape Health and Fitness. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with two really good friends of mine, Dr. Crudley and Dr. Bradshaw, and we're going we're to get into them in a few. Okay. Dr. Krugley and Dr. Bradshaw founded the Agape Health and Fitness Center and pride themselves on providing their patients with the best natural health care options available. They have a qualified team of professionals who consistently strive to exceed your expectations. Over the years, they have pursued knowledge and techniques to curate comprehensive and effective treatment plans for all of their patients. They focus on all aspects of your health and overall well-being. Services available include and are and are not limited to chiropractic care, sports medicine, injury rehabilitation, personal injury, and spinal decompression. They utilize nutrition response testing to evaluate your required nutritional needs and a gym on site, not only for rehabilitation and recovery, also for private one-on-one and group fitness classes. They also are one of the only animal chiropractors in Southern Nevada with an office where you can bring in your furry, feathery, scaly family. In short, Agape Health and Fitness, they are dedicated to the wellness of your entire family. Now let me introduce you to the doctors. Dr. Joe Crudley is the head clinician at Agape Health and Fitness. He earned his bachelor's degree of biology and health and wellness and his doctorate of chiropractic at Parker University in Dallas, Texas. While attending Parker University, Dr. Krugley spent almost all his free time dedicated to his education. He was the vice president of the Nutrition Club, a teacher's assistant for systemic anatomy and the class representative for human dissection. He was one of the Dean's Honor Roll throughout his time at Parker. He was awarded the Who's Who of American Universities and College's students, and he was even awarded blue coat status for his excellence in patient care. Dr. Krugley completed his Diploma of Sports Medicine from the Southern University of Health Sciences. He is board certified in the chiropractic sports medicine through the American Chiropractic Board of Sports Physicians. Additionally, he has obtained diplomat status with the American Chiropractic Board of Sports Physicians. In Dr. Krugley's free time, which I don't know where that is, he is also studying to not only keep his mind sharp, but to study the latest research in sports medicine and functional medicine when he doesn't have his nose buried in the books. You can catch him in the gym, at the office, or practicing Tang Sudu. Now, Dr. Brandy Bradshaw is one of Agape's health and fitness chiropractors. She is also Agape's animal chiropractor. She earned her bachelor's of science in nursing from Mesa State College. In the beginning of her medical career, Dr. Bradshaw worked as an oncology nurse, medical nurse, surgical nurse, telemetry nurse, psych nurse, and a labor and delivery nurse. She then earned her doctorate in chiropractic at Parker University in Dallas, Texas, where she also attended a postgraduate program certified by the AVCA for animal chiropractic. Dr. Bradshaw is one of the only few doctors in Nevada with the ability to treat animals using chiropractic. In Dr. Bradshaw's free time and I also don't know where she finds that. 
She enjoys spending time outside with their team mascot, Naholi. She also spends time coming up with delicious, healthy recipes that she shares with their patients. Dr. Bradshaw is currently enrolled in the Nutrition and Functional Medicine program through the Functional Medicine University and plans on furthering her knowledge in nutrition response testing. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with these two today. In case you haven't realized, they are very brilliant, incredible doctors and entrepreneurs. This is going to be a phenomenal conversation. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. So Dr. Krugley, Dr. Bradshaw, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you, Stacey. Is it okay if I call you Job and Brandy? Absolutely. I am so excited for our listeners to get to know you guys. I've had the pleasure of spending or uh, yeah, actually spending and investing the last few months with you guys and to, to learn and realize and interact with how brilliant you are, both as business owners and as doctors. It's been an incredible journey together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about uh, what got the dynamic duo into the medical field that you're in. I mean, uh, Brandy, you went allopathic before you went holistic. And uh, Job, I, I really don't know what drug you into the field of medicine. So if you guys could share with us. Sure. Absolutely. So I knew going in, I was one of those high school kids that already had all their classes planned out for college. And I knew going in that I needed to be able to make money as soon as I graduated. Mm. So going into nursing would be a good stepping stone. And I would then be able to go into whatever avenue I wanted to after that. Mm -hmm. So I went into nursing and my first job as a registered nurse was in oncology, adult, inpatient. And in my first year there, all my patients died but one. Mm. So... I realized that I wanted to be able to work with the body more versus wear and tearing it down mm -hmm. with the medication. So that's when I started looking at things like naturopathy and chiropractic. And I wanted something that was nationally recognized and licensed. So I went with chiropractic. Fantastic. How about you, Job? So I, I've always wanted to be in healthcare. I just didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. My mom got into a pretty bad automobile accident when I was around 11, and it was a chiropractor that was able to help her. He was able to, he did some cranial manipulation, manipulating the bones in the head, and that helped with post-concussion syndrome that she was dealing with. Mm -hmm. She got results faster with that one appointment than I had seen in the past six months following her accident. Wow. So when I finally decided to do the whole doctor thing and found myself in graduate school. Uh, I had a really great mentor come up and help guide us with those types of treatments, help point mm -hmm. us in the right direction so that I could help that patient base. Mm -hmm. What initially pushed me into medicine was that, was that personal experience and seeing how chiropractic helped my mom. Totally, totally see how, how applicable that is. And, and, and you both have quite the journey in medicine and, and we'll get into uh, that a, a little bit later. So, so one thing that that I've learned about the two of you is, you know, there's a concept in business uh, to continually sharpen your saw. You know, Stephen Covey wrote the book, the seven uh, uh, <laughs> the seven habits of highly effective people, and one of the habits was sharpening your saw. 
And you guys take that seriously. I mean, you are always, always developing yourself. So what made you dig in and, and really seize the learning uh, to make, to, to really up-level yourselves? With that, every time a patient comes in, you want to have the tools to help them. Hmm. And it's that one patient that comes in that you recognize if I would have attended this other seminar, if I would have gone here, I would have more tools to be able to help this patient. Yeah, I think having having a platform or having enough of a tool chest to be able to address the major issues that we're seeing, obviously that drives our want, desire to learn more. Mm-hmm. If we're working with a patient and <clears throat> we hit a spot where I know we could do more, I just don't know what that looks like, mm-hmm. right? That pushes us into the discovery and research process again. So it's it's one of those, I think it, it, we, we're constantly evaluating ourselves, looking for the weak points and just trying to address those. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for our listeners, I want our listeners to know that uh, we're going to tie all this into to how it applies to success. That is my promise. That is my commitment. Uh, For me, if you don't take care of self, you have nothing, right? Agreed. I I, I mean, like, I I believe you guys have heard Mary Lou say, and Mary Lou's been on this podcast multiple times, if you're not well, you can't sell. And and the the holistic world is, is our mantra. And what you guys do is so powerful and it's so necessary for the entrepreneur, the self-employed, the business owner who really burns the candle at both ends and the middle, right? And it's really important for them to take every healthcare opportunity and apply to self. Absolutely. So so your, your, your sports medicine uh, I, I want people to really understand that because I think that there's a misunderstanding about sports that if you're not this Ironman, if you're not this hardcore athlete, you don't really need it. And I really don't believe that's what it is. Correct. I agree. So to me, sports medicine is the best of physical medicine, orthopedic neurological medicine. And the the thing that, that really sets sports medicine, I think, aside from other disciplines is the understanding that we're trying to get people ready to, to perform at their best while they're injured. We're trying to get somebody who's been injured back to a level that they could compete at their highest physical abilities. So if I can take somebody like a football player or a basketball player, anybody, if I can take any athlete who's injured and it hurts just for them to stand up and I can get them good enough to the point where they can exercise again, move around with pain, free range motion, they can develop their strength, they can develop their power, and they can compete or play or go to practice or whatever it is. If I can do that with an athlete, doing that with a non-athlete is easy, mm-hmm. right? If I, if I can take an athlete who needs to run a six-minute mile and help them walk again, taking somebody who's having a hard time walking and helping them walk again becomes easier. So sports medicine, to me, is getting the results, figuring out what's going on fast, figuring out and finding the diagnosis quickly, rendering treatment and getting the patient better faster than anything else. That's why I chose sports medicine. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that with our human bodies, we are all athletes in our own way. The grandma has to run down that toddler and chase it and scoop it up so they have to be able to move properly and do it without pain and safely for them and their grandbaby. Yeah. So it, it goes to, it goes back to whether your sport is an actual game, a football game, or your sport is life. Just being able to get people back to doing those things quickly and safely. You know, one of the, what, one of the things for me as it applies to sports medicine is, you know, it, it takes a special breed of person to be an entrepreneur, to be self-employed, to be that business owner or that independent sales contractor. It takes that, that special person to say, you know, I understand that, that jobs are false safety nets, right? 
And that same special mindset, that same special person goes about life the same way as they do, they go about business, right? Because how we do some things is how we do everything. And you heard me say that the, the, the typical self-employed entrepreneur burns the candles at both ends in the middle. So what happens is, is they be also become weekend warriors, right? And from the time they, they stop working Saturday, if they even stop working, you know, they then go to the soccer field, the baseball field, the basketball court, the, the racquetball court, the gym, and they're pushing hard and hard and hard. And then Monday, when now their business is going to demand on them, they get out of bed and they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it, it can be a tough cycle. It can be a tough cycle. And I think that that's where health home, home care or personal care comes into play right taking care of yourself uh taking care of the physical will and we've talked about that as far as you know taking care of the physical will help feed the uh the mind so that we can see things clearer so that we can see our opportunities uh as business owners i think i think self-care is super important in that regard mm -hmm. um for the weekend warriors for sure yeah so brandy yes, animal animal chiropractic what you just woke up one day and said i wanna i wanna play with a dog's spine how did, <laughs> how did that come about so the first question you know little toddlers get asked is what do you want to do and i wanted to be a vet mm -hmm. and i held on to that belief until high school when i realized that a lot of a veterinarian's job is to euthanize yeah. and that did not sit well with me I understand if it's end of life, if the baby's in pain, euthanizing can be good. But if an owner just says, I'm moving and I don't want to take the dog, please euthanize it. That does not sit well with me at all. Yeah. And I knew I wouldn't be able to be a whole person if I did that. So I knew I could help humans. I went into nursing. I went into chiropractic. And the first trimester in chiropractic school, we're walking to class. And off in the distance, I see a horse on campus. There's a horse on campus. So I make a direct 90 degree turn and I go follow the horse. And I go chasing after it. And I see this group of people gathered around and someone speaking. And I'm like, what's the horse doing? Who are you guys? Mm -hmm. And it was evident pretty quickly that this was an animal chiropractic class. And I said, oh, tell me more. So I went through chiropractic school, knowing that when I graduated, I wanted to go back and be able to then treat animals. Wow. Now, do you treat humans too? I do, when I have to. <laughs> <laughs> now, now when, when it comes to treating humans and animals, how is that different? Because I, I venture to guess it has to be because humans can tell you what's wrong, but can animals? Yes, absolutely they can. That's one of the things about slowing down. As business owners, we're always going 100 miles an hour, yeah. having everything thrown at you at once. So being able to downshift a little bit, slow down, and really look at them, looking at how they're moving, looking at how they're interacting with their space checking for things, taking your fingers, running them down along the spine. If their spine scrunches, that's called a paniculus reflex. That's like you hitting your shin on the table, saying a few cuss words, and then rubbing it. They can't rub their back, so they scrunch their skin. So being able to evaluate things like that, knowing that that is painful, knowing that if you don't have full range of motion of one of your joints, if you can't turn your wrist all the way over so your palm is up, there's going to be some pain with that. So taking a look at the range of motion, assessing that, we can tell that they're having pain and we can fix that. Nice, nice. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cues that she can look at that don't necessarily require verbal communication, right? And so I use those same type of cues too when I'm looking at a human patient. We have the ability to, to communicate verbally, but that only gives me a very small piece of what's going on in a patient's case. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So same thing when you're meeting with your business clients, when you're selling, you are looking for those nonverbal cues. You're looking to see if they are congruent with what they're saying. You're looking to see if you have made that connection with them, if they're actually understanding and seeing what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I love that tie-in. I really do. So let's ask you the, the first question as as it applies to, in my opinion, success. And it's really important for the self-employed, for the business owner and the entrepreneur to really understand what inspires them, you know, because whatever inspires us drives us, right? Uh, we, we have a trademark at Pivot Point for inspirational. You know, m- motivation is great. However, motivation is a temporary thing unless you can tap into it on a continual basis. Inspiration goes throughout your body, your DNA, and it can keep you in action, right? Hence the inspirational. So what inspires the two of you to do what it is you do? I think for us, along with most business owners, in order to be a business owner and to do what you do, you really have to love what you do. And loving what you do I think is one is what's going to be that inspirational drive. Um, every time I take a pup and they are having trouble walking, they're in pain, I work with them, they turn around, they give me their wiggle and they give me the big sloppy kiss that makes my hair stand straight up. <laughs> That's enough fuel to feed that love of what I do. For real, yeah. If if I can if I can have if I can help somebody who's having a hard time standing up, or having a hard time walking, or whatever, yeah, picking up their grandbaby. If I can help somebody allow them, or you know, help somebody help themselves to be able to do those things again, that's that's it right there. That's the fire. That's that's what gives me satisfaction. That's what inspires me to be better. That's what inspires me to. And that's the reason why on Saturdays we have incredibly long days. Like, absolutely, we can always take one more. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, you know, you both uh, own Agape. You're also both married. We've had the conversation in the past about the 24-7 relationship, right? Yep. I, I have it with my spouse. The two of you have it because we're business partners and life partners. Yep. So does your definition of success match each other or does it mirror each other? That is a great question. <laughs> so, so Brandy, how do you define success? Let's figure it out. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Success is going to be doing what you love and being able to make enough money to live the life that you want to live. Okay. I'm going to go with success for me is there's two, there's two things when I'm thinking about success. I'm thinking about my patient care success. I'm thinking about business success. Mm-hmm. Overall, if for me, now at this point, I feel like my patient care success is, is good. It's great. It's high. If I could match my financial part, the business part with that, I think if the two could balance out, that would be success. That would be my version of success. Nice. So one of the things, you know, I work with, uh, obviously, a lot of people in the holistic realm, just by the sheer nature of who I'm married to, we attract a lot of them. And, and it's also how we live our life. And, you know, I work with a lot of chiropractors. And one of the things I've realized is they have a hard time wearing both hats. So they have the doctor hat, Mm-hmm. And then they have the business person hat, the business owner hat, and the business owner hats usually hanging on a peg in the corner, yep. usually in their office. Yep. And they always have the doctor hat on and the doctor hat is heal the patient, heal the patient, whatever it takes. Yep. And yeah. then, and then when, when they're questioned about the business, like the PL and, and the client acquisition costs and all of that, they look at you like my patients walk. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. And what did that yeah. cost you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys do you guys struggle with the business owner hat 
and the doctor hat? We have. We have in the past, in the past up until recently. And the training that we've had with you and some of the breakthroughs that we've had uh, has, has definitely helped us look at that, look at running the business differently. Hmm. When, when we're in school, we learn how to be doctors. When we're in school, we learn how to evaluate. We learn what normal is so we can figure out what abnormal is, right? Yeah. And, and that's the most important thing because when I was in school, I wanted to know how to fix my patient. Business wasn't even on my radar, right? I went to school because I wanted to be able to help people on a level that I couldn't do before. And so that's what I focused on. We didn't get business, actual management perspective. We didn't get the business tools in school to be able to run a successful business. So this, this, is, this is definitely a newer area. Right. And I think it's probably an area where most chiropractors and or just people in healthcare in general could use guidance and coaching because we again, we, we go to school for, you know, four, eight, 12 years yeah. and then we come out with a license to practice and we're safe, but we're not really sure how to collect money. We're not really sure how to market, how to market. We hang our shingle and we're like, no, no. And that's what we're told in school. We're told in school, try, you know, work hard, learn your skill, learn your craft, become really, really good at what you do, hang your shingle, and you'll be good. That's, that, not, that's not true anymore. Yeah, money is the byproduct of your success. Mm-hmm. That is one of the mantras. And that is true to a degree, but you really need to be able to have a good game plan in order to be able to bring in the patients for you to treat, for you to get that byproduct of the success. Recognizing too that it's not a bad thing to collect money on the services that we render. I it's not said that. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessary. It's not a. It's not a negative thing mm-hmm. uh, to get paid for our energy. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things that we did as business owners was to get someone up at the front to collect the money. So we were able to kind of take ourselves out of that situation. When people ask us, oh, how much does X cost? How much does Y cost? This and that. It's like, I can tell you about the service. Why don't you go ahead, go up front, talk to my manager. They'll be able to answer all those financial questions for you. And in the beginning, when we first opened, we hired the minimum wage. We hired what we could could afford. What we could afford. But she was in high school still. And if someone didn't pay, she was like, okay. She didn't even tell us about it. So we had lots of collections that were uncollected. Um, And it was one of those things that we didn't even recognize how much money was just falling through, slipping through our fingers. So hiring someone that took the emotion out of money that said, hey, you just got an amazing service, you need to pay for it, really helped. Good, good. Yeah, you know, I remember a saying a long time ago that that my grandmother always shared with me, the cheap is always expensive. Yes, agreed, absolutely. It was a very valuable lesson to learn, and the sooner we we could have learned it, the better. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, for me, for me, it's it's about it's about understanding one's worth, and and one's worth isn't the exchange of of service for money. You know, when you really look at who you both are, who you both are is a culmination of how many degrees, how many certifications, how many hours at a desk learning from a professor, an instructor, a teacher, a trainer, how many hours at your laptop or in front of books studying, all of which you either paid for, invested in, and or were never paid for that time. All of that, every time you step into a room with a patient, all of that is following you. The knowledge, the experience, the investment, the sacrifice. Every entrepreneur and business owner brings with them all of that. You know, for me as a coach, as a coach, for me, people ask me, well, 
you cost a lot of money to work with, or, or why do you charge so much? Or what, what is it that you are charging? And for me, price is only an issue in the absence of value. If, if someone isn't delivering the value, then it's absolutely necessary to question the price, the investment. Yes. However, people aren't dealing with the 45 minutes or 60 minutes that you are treating them. People are dealing with the 10, 15, 20 years yeah. of training that you have. That's okay. what they're investing in. Yes. So agape. Did, did you guys get out of school and decide we're going to build our own practice or did you take the path of working for people first and then decide to open Agape? We opened Agape and we started off with the one patient on our books. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we had two patients in one month on our books. Um, I worked as an RN at Valley Hospital um, so that we could cover the cost of building the practice yeah so it was it was definitely slow at first uh there was a lot of scaling there was you know we went from <clears throat> one small commercial office space with one room we were sharing a the office location with a medical doctor and then we grew into a spot that was like 2500 square feet and that's when we, we were able to add in the gym services and then we grew again into the spot that we're currently in which is even larger with a larger gym um when we first graduated we looked around we, we came to vegas and looked around and i was looking for a mentorship i was looking for some guidance and i didn't find a lot i found i got more examples of what i didn't want to do in practice I got more examples of what I didn't want to do. Um, it was a steep learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom was born with spina bifida. Mm -hmm. And so my whole life growing up, I was taking care of her, um, taking her with her wheelchair to all her doctor appointments my whole life. And I remember specifically going to the orthopedic surgeon and we got there at like 9 a.m. at 1 o'clock. I was starving and cranky. I'm like, when is her appointment? Knowing that if we were to leave, we could lose it. Yeah. And it's one of those, this is ridiculous. I don't. And I thought to myself back when I was a wee one, that if I ever became a doctor, I don't want someone to sit in the waiting room for hours and hours and hours when they're already in pain and hurting. So I think taking just all of those lessons and seeing what we wanted and what we didn't want. There was definitely more of what we didn't want. So trying to formulate a business plan off of, we definitely don't want to do that. How can we not do that? Mm -hmm. If we don't want to do this, well, how can we not do that? What is another direction? Trying to look outside the box, trying to look outside of how everyone else is doing it. So let's go the other direction, right? You know, for me, being, being self-employed, being this entrepreneur, we uh, navigate unchartered territories, unknown waters. And, and through doing that with and without mentors and coaches, we still fall, right? We still fall on our face. We, <laughs> We, we use that other F word, people call it failure, I call it feedback, right? Sure. And, and for me, every time something doesn't work out, every time I fail, I have the opportunity to extract learnings from it that make me even better. You know, <laughs> I learned a long time ago, if you repeat something more than once, well, then you're the fool that deserves the outcome. <laughs> Because, yeah. because reality is every time something doesn't work out, every time we fail, we have the opportunity to get feedback, learn, grow, evolve, and move on, right? So how has failure been instrumental in your journey to success? I think one of the biggest failures that we had was a personal injury case. With healthcare, and especially with PI, personal injury, it's very different than some of the other 
businesses out there because we can work and we render services and then we get paid five years later. And so we had this PI case and we treated her. We did everything we needed to do. We got better. The bill was $10,000. We treated her on the holidays. We came in on Thanksgiving because she was in town during that time. We came in during uh, Christmas Eve and treated her because she needed it and she was in town. And that's what we do. And so she made me late to put my turkey in for Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little cranky about that one. Still a little cranky about that. Um, And so then when we went to collect, we realized that that one piece of paper one. never got signed. Every other paper was signed, but that one that says, I will absolutely pay you. So we didn't have her signature on the paper. So, so we didn't kick, get paid. So the kicker is the patient got better, which is great. The patient got better. Patient got paid her part of the settlement. Money. That included ours. And because we didn't have the signed paperwork, we didn't get paid for our part. So having systems in place was a hard lesson. Yes, so hard. And and having systems in place from the financial aspect, from a scheduling aspect, from, uh, I mean, training the staff aspect, having systems is huge. And making sure that there's that checks and balances because the system was there. You're supposed to give them this packet. It includes these five pieces of paper. All these are supposed to be signed but there was never a checkoff sheet. We didn't have that balance. <laughs> we had the check, but not the balance. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge lesson because we'd already paid our employees for that time that they'd worked. We'd already paid the power bill and the AC because yeah. we're in Vegas and it's hot and you really need that. We'd already paid all of those things. So money had been paid out. <laughs> when we didn't get that, that was really financially difficult yeah so having to dig deep and at that point it's like well we're working seven days a week we can't work anymore right so how how do we help recoup this and not lose the business Hmm. so i would venture to guess you guys have some pretty pretty solid systems set up now (laughs) yes we do we we learned our lesson Solid systems, systems in place to make sure that we've got checks and balances. And over the years, we've been able to streamline the process. So like B just said, you know, we were open seven days a week because we had to be. Nobody showed us how to run a business. We didn't know how to do it. And so the, the, I think the, the stronger we got at that, the better we got at that. That process got more streamlined. And now we have more time to be able to do continuing education investing time in ourselves and doing the things that we like to do. Nice, nice. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit. And, you know, uh, we've had multiple conversations about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals, people who pursue success, they burn the candle at both ends, including the middle, right? Can we talk about what stress does to them? Can we talk about how they can really set themselves up for a comfortable success or a painful success where their body will either cooperate or not? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think when we're talking about like home care or just personal self-care, there's some things that everybody needs it's going to be scalable because we all have different conditions we're at different ages we're different sexes whatever it is but there are some very i think very basic things that we need to watch out for to be able to help with the stress so food obviously comes into play with that having the right macronutrients making sure that we have the right fats making sure we have the right proteins and all of those other things that really matter um low low sugar intake and those types of things we have to have movement we have to be able to exercise whatever that looks like for a patient i mean that's different for everybody right um stretching foam rolling self-care things to release muscle tension is super important and then the other thing that i would throw in there too is breath work working with our breathing yeah i think working with our breathing teaching patients how to work with breath 
taking full diaphragmatic breath helps to downregulate the sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. upregulate the parasympathetic nervous system, helps to relax muscles, helps us to even be able to perceive things bigger. The bigger picture is easier to get when we're operating from a parasympathetic nervous system dominance. I think one thing that people don't always think about are what are stressors. Most people think about, oh, almost getting hit in traffic. Oh, this big deadline, this big meeting. They can feel their heart elevate and they know that that is stress. They don't always realize that sitting for eight hours straight is also stress. Mm-hmm. That our bodies were meant to move. And if you're not allowing your body to move, if you're going from the board meeting, sitting there all day on the phone, and then coming home and sitting down because you want to relax, that, that you're still stressing the body because you haven't given it the movement that it needs. So working with stress, like he said, it's all scalable. So for some people, it's just a walk around your desk once every couple hours. For other people, it's a walk around the building. For other people, it's getting up 20 minutes earlier so they can do a run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think daily meditation plays into that. I think daily mindfulness exercises play into that uh, from a stress response standpoint. You know, I, um, I, I'd like to add a little bit to that hydration, yeah. hydration, definitely. You're both drinking water. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think so many people minimize the importance of water and the majority of our body is water, right? 100%. Yep. And, and I'll go as far as saying not all waters are treated equal. Yes, agreed. Being in Las Vegas, it's super important to have good water because we have so many of the mineral content in our water is so dense. So I agree. Absolutely. 100% good quality. Yeah. Huge. Yes, we, we personally use Kangen. We don't, you know, it's, it's not that that's what we, we represent or anything like that. It's just the, the hydration level that that's what we choose to, to utilize. And um, for my, my other thing that neither one of you said, and I, I would love to plug, is so many people think that chiropractic work, massage, holistic work is, is for pain care, pain management. And reality is, in my opinion, it's for preventative maintenance. It's for it's for ongoing. I mean, we take our cars to get oil changes and to get services. However, the only time we go to see doctors is when something's wrong. If you waited till something was wrong with your car, the expense would be astronomical and the outcome usually detrimental because it, it requires transmission overhauls, engine overhauls, or car replacements. Well, newsflash, you have one body. You're not replacing the body, right? Correct, yeah. So I I think people really look at at healthcare, holistic healthcare, the wrong way. I agree. I, I definitely agree with you. Good point. And so a lot of the times the stress, stress can be manifested, you know, stress can happen because we're in pain. And additionally, we don't necessarily have to perceive the pain for it to be there. So a lot of times patients come in and they're not aware. They might come in and they're like, oh, hey, doc, I've got a shoulder issue. And while I'm examining them, I find, hey, actually, you know what you do? You legitimately have a shoulder issue, a tone rotator cuff or whatever it is. But the problem is actually coming from your neck. Can you feel this? And I'll point something out to them. and They'll be like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea. And then they start thinking about it. And they've had neck pain maybe for years, and then they stopped thinking about the neck pain, and it never bothered them again. It went on in the background, and it's been creating health issues for them that they've been unaware of. That can manifest as hypertension. That can manifest as other systemic issues that they're not even aware of is related to something they didn't even know they had, right? So from a chiropractic standpoint, from my standpoint, it's always best, I feel to get a baseline of the patient when they're 
feeling good, not when they're feeling bad. Like you said, if a patient comes into us and they're on fire, it's going to take much more time to put that fire out than if they came in when they were feeling okay, we could get a good baseline, fix some things that maybe would have popped up in the future and, and handle it that way. Pain can be a stressor and pain is definitely one of those things I think that go on in the background of our consciousness more than we realize. So Dr. Brandy, you know, one of the things that I see as a business coach, as a success strategist, you know, being an NLP master trainer is excuses hold people back. Excuses prevent people from achieving their greatness, pursuing their dreams. The majority of the people have more excuses than they do results. Mm. Now, that's my preframe. Mm -hmm. One thing that you have shared with me, and, and thank you for the permission before we started to talk about this. One thing you sh that, that I've known ever since I've met you is when you were a little girl, you had a brain tumor that went undetected and, and people didn't know it existed and it manifested its way in a way to where you would grab things that weren't there, sit down on chairs that, that didn't exist and you started doubting what it was you were seeing. Your mind was playing tricks on you until you know a couple of years later, they realized this little girl has a brain tumor. And then your treatment time uh, went through your imprint years and your modeling years into your socialization years, you know, between your treatment and your recovery. So a lot of people use illness and disabilities and life issues and and whatever else comes about as obstacles, as excuses. And in my humble opinion, if anybody ever had an excuse to not pursue their greatness, it would be someone who has past experiences like you, right? And you're the direct opposite. You're like, oh, hell no, nothing's holding me back. That was just a thing. So can you share with me um, your journey in overcoming that, I'm going to put it in air quotes, handicap, right? And I, I truly think it's no mistake that you're in the medical field. I truly think it's no mistake that you work with animals who can't speak for themselves because you tried to speak for yourself and nobody listened to you, right? So can you talk about this journey as to how it really made you, didn't define you? So, yes, like you said, when I was younger, I went to hug my mom and I picked the wrong mom because I saw two of her. And I think the drive and the striving for excellence started with my mom because back in the 80s, the healthcare in Nevada wasn't as good as it is now. It's still not the best. But we went to several doctors and I remember going to the doctors and then saying, oh, she just doesn't want to go to school. She's fine. And so nobody believed me or my mom. And it took quite a while for my mom to finally just scoop me up and take me to UCLA for them to diagnose me. Hmm. Um, there were always things that I missed out on. I wasn't allowed to go outside for recess. When everybody got to go to recess or got to go to PE, I got to go sit in the principal's office. Not very much fun. So from an early age, I started developing things to do. I didn't want to be bored. I didn't want to sit in the principal's office and twiddle my thumbs for 30 minutes. So I started reading. I became an avid reader. And... I was able to find things to do. I learned how to make beaded earrings and make dream catchers. And I went through and found other things that I was able to do. And every time that someone came with another obstacle, I had to have surgery on my feet when I was in ninth grade. And I could put weight on the toes of my right foot and the heel of my left foot. And with a really heavy backpack on crutches, I wasn't that good at balancing. So 
what I ended up doing was putting my backpack on and crawling through the hallways at school mm. so that I could get to and from class. It was really a matter of, well, that's not working, so how else can I do this? What else can I do? And continuing on, I had to have my appendix out before going to college. I was having trouble lifting any weight at all afterwards. And I was supposed to be moving, going, living on my own, having all of these big, huge life shifts. And the doctors were saying, you know, I think you should probably wait another year before going away to school. Mm. Let's let you heal and do all this other stuff. And I was able to think about some of those other times and think about my mom saying, nope, I don't like what you're saying. Let's go check with someone else. You're not thinking outside the box. Let's keep going. So we were able to come up with ways. We were able to work my schedule so that I could take breaks, so that I could do things. I didn't take my PE class that first semester. I gave myself more time. I was able to work the schedule. So I think it's always been one of those things that if someone tells me no, I say, okay, I get it. No for that way. So where's the gray area? How else can I play this? Yeah. What can we do? My husband didn't know what the gray area was until I met him. Like, Well, the instructions were X. So I think we can play over here because they didn't say you couldn't do this. They, they didn't say you couldn't do X. That's, that's a common statement from Dr. Bradshaw. <laughs> they said this. They didn't say. Okay. So let's go play here. That's phenomenal. So success is all about experimenting, right? It's all about, well, there's no book that says it has to be this way. Let's try it this way. It's navigating experiences to find what works and to extract what works even better right? Yes. So one thing that I admire about both of you is, is excuses are non-existent. And that's a beautiful thing. That absolutely is. So welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is, what does selling without selling mean to you? Selling without selling means loving your product and loving your services so much that you just know whoever you're working with, whoever's across that table from you, that they're going to benefit and that they need this and that their life will be better. And if their life is better, then the world is better. Mm. So giving them what you have, showing them, giving them your product, your service, whatever that is, just helping them to see the value. That you don't have to sell. You don't have to sell. Putting everything out on the table. For me, it means putting everything out on the table for the patient so that they know their options. And then I'm not doing anything else after that. It's up to them. I don't have to, if, if, if you can show, if we can show patients options that they didn't know were available to them, my job's done. I didn't have to do, I didn't have to sell, it was already done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, for, for me, I, I have a, I have a multitude of, of answers for this question. And, and as it directly relates to your business, your industry, it's being very clear that, you know, and, and my listeners have heard me say this time and time again, we have to do the inner work for the outer to ever work. 100%. So, so it's understanding that you are the best version of you. You are the best of the best. You offer the best of the best. And you're very clear that their need, want, and desire for your product, service, and solution is a complete married match. Yep. And with confidence, you serve their problem mm -hmm. and solve their problem. So selling without selling is strictly serving the needs yes. with the best possible product and service. And you stand on a platform of love and service. Yes. 100%. Thank you. 
So welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to ask very specific questions to our guest experts to extract things from them so that our listeners can say, you know what, I really like that. And I'd like to apply to self. So I have a couple questions for you guys. Yeah. Question number one is what does your morning ritual look like? <laughs> that is an awesome question. So because we give so much to everybody else, we have to make sure that we're grounded. So we have a morning and an evening ritual. Nice. <laughs> so in the morning we get up, I make my dandelion and chicory root coffee. Ooh. He makes his protein shake and then we convene on the couch with our pup and our two birds. And we meditate for about an hour. And then he'll go up, he'll take a shower, I will work on my makeup and doing my hair, getting myself ready for the day. And then we either drive separately or together when we can into the office. And if it's a day that we're not working, we still do the meditation for an hour or so in the morning. And then, uh, and then, we, then we exercise. She'll go swimming uh, or do Tung Soo Do, or, and I'll go to the gym and or do Tung Soo Do. Uh, that, that grounding, though, that grounding meditation part getting our breathing right that's that is that is super important for both of us nice. and if we've had a tough day then we do it again in the evening so that we can sleep better nice and that morning ritual it definitely doesn't change whether we're here whether we're away at a seminar whether we're working or not it's as, as the same as long as we're consistent our results are consistent and we do that very on purpose. We do the meditation. We take the time in the morning, take the time in the afternoon, very on purpose. And as, as long as we keep that consistency, our day is easy. And I like easy. I love that. Okay. So then my second question for you both is, what is your favorite word and why? Do you know? All right. Um, I think... Stacey, my favorite word has probably changed and it's probably content, contextual, right? I'm going to be, uh, going to be a little metaphysical here and just say love. Love would be my favorite word. I love that. Love would be my favorite word. I love what I do. Uh, I love coming from a place of love. Mm. That's what I got. I think mine would be a little contextual also. When I'm at work, I think my favorite word is yay. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because she uses it a lot. Yeah. I get to she celebrate. Yep. I get to celebrate with the patients, whether I'm working with the humans or I'm working with the animals. It's yay. There's love and happiness and celebration behind that word. I love that. So I have to tell you, I really thought you were going to say something else and you kind of did, but you didn't. And that was agape. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh -huh. so, so why did you name your business agape? Ah, we went through growing up in Las Vegas here, um, Black Mountain and the normal thing, basic, because originally the town was called basic. I went to basic high school. It's not a remedial high school. <laughs> Um, Nothing wrong with remedial high schools. I know. <laughs> and so, um, looking at those things, you know, Silver State and all those things, but nothing, nothing resided with us. Nothing mm -hmm. sounded right. We wanted something that showed we who we were. Mm -hmm. And so, I went back to one of my records when I was young. Um, I had an Agape Land record. And it had songs about love and patience and everything. And I remembered agape meant godly love or unconditional love. Yep. And it was like, that's it. Easy. It was an easy fix. That's or it. easy to look at. That's who we are and that's who we want to attract. It makes sense. I love that. I love that. So I really appreciate you both coming on the show. I've enjoyed it. I know our listeners will enjoy it. If, if our listeners want to reach out to you, find you, follow you, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Our website is agapehealthlv.com. And you can always email us at info at agapehealth.net. 
Fantastic. Thank you. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.